Dean Ray Coons was born July 9, 1945. Is an American author known for writing suspense thrillers, which incorporated elements of horror, fantasy, science fiction, mystery, and satire. He has published over 105 novels and a number of novellas and collections of short stories. And has sold over 450 million copies of his work, many of which have reached the top of the New York Times bestseller list. His later work is said to have been inspired by the abuse he suffered during his childhood at the hands of his alcoholic father. Kuhn's debut novel Starquest was published in 1968 and gave way to him writing dozen science fiction novels. In the 1970s, Kuhn's began writing suspense and horror fiction, both under his own name and several pseudonyms, sometimes publishing up to eight books a year. His breakthrough novel, Whispers, was first released in 1980. His first bestseller, Demon Seed, saw sales increase after the release of the film by the same name in 1977, selling over 2 million copies in one year. Hi, I'm Daniel Lucas. And I'm Chris Tetrault-Blade. Welcome to Book 101. Yes, Book 101 is created to empower writers all over the world, like me, Chris Tetrault-Blade. I've done the opportunity for that, but uh, you, uh, you do flatter me every time I'm on air. Yes, I miss you on my podcast, Mr. Chris, and thank you for your time for this month. I know you're busy, busy. Yeah, it's just a little bit, but uh, not in the right ways, I would say, as well. If my employers are listening to this, I do apologize. Um, but yeah, sort of work and family life takes over everything at the minute. My, my writing, just uh, what, I, what I should be doing and coming on in to talk about is, is not really getting a look in. But... Yes, life is too short, as they said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, Mr. Chris, what are we going to talk about today empowering you as a writer? Yeah, so again, bringing along, uh, introducing another writer who has had something, some kind of influence, impact on me um, as a writer. So I'm bringing along um, a, a very well-known guy. He's not just in horror either. Kind of me branching out a little bit more, but Dean Koontz, if anyone out there may well be familiar with something of his work i think you know a lot of, a lot of people whether you're sci-fi thrillers or you know horror and that you come across something of his work so yeah i'm i'm sort of, i'm i'm bringing him into the mix today to kind of talk about those those particular books that have had some kind of you know um, some place in my life if shall we yes. say yes yes definitely so when did you first discover dean Kuhn's work oh wow um so this is back oh this is before well before i started writing probably just before i started writing i think it was about 2011 2012 um he wasn't one unlike james herbert he wasn't one that my wife um kind of 
you know, James Herbert was one of her favourites when it came to horror and that. Um, she she didn't really she didn't really have uh, I don't think she had much, exp- you know, self reading Dean Koontz. So this was one that I literally found on a bookshelf. Um, we were going preparing to go on holiday that summer, whichever year it was. And I was I was after I wasn't much of a reader, but I just started getting into it again. You know, I, I, I through through my wife's kind of suggestions. I think it was around the just around about the time I discovered James Herbert. I wanted something different, and I was in the supermarket, and there was a book. Its cover, and I, I and we always say don't judge books by their covers, but this is exactly what I did. It had a very appealing cover to it. It looked quite spooky, and it was a it was a book by Dean Koontz that was called Odd Apocalypse. Um, which immediately people can, knowing what I've written about, can probably see the uh, the link there. But this, this was this was before I'd even got an idea of of writing, you know, even my first book. So yeah, that was it really, and I mean, that's quite late, I think, because as we'll see, he's been writing for quite a while before that. So I was I was late to the dance, if as as it were, but. Uh, but that was enough for me, you know, a holiday read. I picked it up and it was one of the first books that I actually kind of devoured within a week. You know, I, I was notoriously quite slow at reading back then. Um, but there was just something about this one that captured me. It was, uh, yeah, so, so I'd say fairly recently in terms of, you know, how long he's been writing and, and I've been reading, I suppose. Yes, and many of his books have appeared on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, I have. Yeah, and, and thankfully he is. I think if you, everyone knows Stephen King. And again, if you even if you haven't read all of his books, and I think I think the same about Dean Koontz. Is people know the name. It's quite a memorable name anyway. But um, he has done so much, and I I feel like I barely scratched the surface. There's particular um, particular books of him. I've always gone to and, and I have revisited and I there's there's a lot that left to read so, you know I'm not going to come out here and say I've read everything and I'm a I'm a know-it-all about Dean Koontz um but yeah he's one of those names I think you know it, some most people out there I would imagine a pick you know at some point in their lives so what impact has his work had on you as a as a writer and a reader? So the the obvious one, I mean, looking at the book that I I picked up first, Odd Apocalypse, um, that you know, I've I've always had a fascination with the apocalypse. That's the really morbid thing to say. But as a writer, you can get away with that. Um it's it's these kind of ideas of end of days and things like that. There's so many different takes on it and i think you can always just put your own spin on what you think is going to happen if we ever reach that point or have we already and and things like that um so immediately i i picked up his book because it it really it appealed to that side of of my psyche i suppose and i i was i was captivated the time as well odd what's odd about an apocalypse i think that that for me was enough to get me interested but as i would find out quite quickly there was nothing odd about the apocalypse except for the uh, the main character. He's actually called Odd, which is odd in itself. He's called Odd Thomas. Um, and like I've done with a couple of series, this was I jumped right into the middle of this because uh, I didn't know it was a series. I, didn't know about it. I think Odd Apocalypse is like book five in the Odd Thomas series. 
so immediately once I knew once he had captivated me enough with this one and I having not read any of the other old Thomas books I was engaged I still wanted to know more so I was inspired to go back and I started the series then and I read everything up to Odd Apocalypse and then he had a couple that came out afterwards as well so as a reader um immediately and he he, he had one of those beautiful things I would like to emulate the replica um, but emulate at some point with, with like is to have a series of books but you could one way you could pick up any one of the volumes and although you might be a bit out of sync with some of the common threads going through it you can still enjoy um, all the old thomas books they were fantastic on their own even though once you piece them together you do discover more about this guy old thomas and it does flow as a series but I, I kind of thought that rather than sort of having a series out there and having to say to people, you need to start at the beginning. I, I would like them to just come across one of my books randomly, like I did with his and be able to pick it up and enjoy it regardless of where you are in the series. Uh, so that that's, yeah. So as a reader, he, he, he gave me something to reach for. Um, he's got so much out there. I haven't read, like I said, so I'm still on that journey with him. But in terms of a writer, he was, along with James Herbert and Steve Alton, um, which I've mentioned before, all together, I think those three, the ideas I was pulling out of their books, those books that captivated me, you know, that they had written, I wanted to take elements of those into when I started my own writing. So whether it was something of the writing style, something of the, the narrative, the ideas, um, you know, things they were using, um, with Dean Koontz, with Odd Thomas in particular, we'll stick with that one for a second because that is really the first I, I delved right into. I, I didn't read anything else Dean Koontz until I'd finished the Odd Thomas series. So that was really all I knew. It was the first series that I had seriously read from a, uh, a that's written from a first perspective, which I thought was quite novel at the time. Um, I'm used to having the story told as a whole by some nameless person who's just stood watching everything and it got me questioning how do you successfully tell a story through one character's eyes you know theoretically the story will follow them and you, surely you're missing out on some stuff that is happening and i was fascinated and really impressed by the way he told all of these books i think there's seven of the old thomas books in total and other i think graphic novels and novellas on the side and how he managed to create this. He's not creating a universe. It's set in, you know, in real life to a certain degree, but where he's able to draw you in and he tells the, the rich story that he's telling through one character. Um, something I'm trying to work on. I'm, I'm working on a book I've mentioned before called uh, Poison in the Well, which is a follow-on to the World of Apocalypse trilogy. Um, as much as I'm failing at the moment to really write much for it, it's my first and only time I have first-person perspective. And and it's directly influenced by the old Thomas books because of how much I enjoyed them. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. But uh, not quite there yet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. So do you think uh, Dean Kuhn's novel are timeless? You know, I would say so. I, I, I like to think so. I mean, knowing when I was doing a little bit of background research on him, you know, ahead of this and realizing 
how long ago he started writing. I think his, his debut novel was like the late 60s, early 70s. I think it was about 68, 69. I could, his style, I don't think, will age. He's got a lot of... Uh, he's got a lot of qualities in there, which is like real classic kind of horror. You know, a little bit like James Herbert, ghost stories, things like that. Something which I think sometimes you think has been done to, but you can still go back. And once you've got someone who I would say is written like a classic ghost story, they 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 keep you there. I th- I think that kind of feeling that those books give you that never goes away. And I think in particularly when he verges on horror, he does go on, on, on the, the classic horror kind of feel. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think guys, I mean, Lovecraft, if you go back to Lovecraft and Poe and, you know, real classic Gothic horror, people are still enjoying them today. And they're, I don't know, what are they? A hundred, 150 years old. Some of these. Um, and yeah, I, I can't see that, that really Dean Koontz's work, there's there's one in particular that i one book i read through covid um mainly because i had heard a book where people were were asking did dean kintz predict um coronavirus and i was like i was you know what do they mean has he got a book out there which tells the of what is happening to us and i was reading it during lockdown so it's quite a the book is the book is called Eyes of Darkness. Um, so I managed to get hold of it. I found it locally just before lockdown happened. I had it anyway, so I thought I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to read it. It it doesn't tell the tale as as it's not a closely link as close a link as you would expect. Um, and he's telling of a a world that is locked down because of a virus or anything like that. There is literally there's like one paragraph in it which he's very very close to a bit of a Nostradamus kind of something very, very accurate, almost, you know, to the point um, of being true, but he's written this years and years before. To me, I think that's just the vision. That's down to his vision and and what guys like him and Steve Alton, I'll mention again, because I'm reading another of his, of his books at the moment, so it's really relevant. The vision that writers um, is there are no limits to it. So I think that in itself would mean that their work won't age because there's things you can write about which in 40 years' time is still relevant but in a slightly different way. And you're you're going to someone who's living through something that, you know, they can relate to in your book. So, you know, some people, they may pick it up and think, oh, no, this isn't for me. Um it's a bit old hat and you'll get someone next to him who's like no this actually this this speaks to me is it depends on the audience but i think dean Koontz has got a big enough audience out there because of the breadth of genres that he's written in i suppose um so he'll always be there and i'm not biased yes, <laughs> yes definitely please all the people people <laughs> yeah we're gonna please all them so what are the qualities of uh, Mr. Dean that incorporated to your Apocalypse trilogy? Um, so again, to just very briefly, the Apocalypse thing, you know, in my in my head, the reason I picked up one of his books in the first place is because I thought he's a guy that has got an apocalyptic vision and I was very drawn into that. Um, 
it's it's an odd book. Not to yeah, pardon the pun. It's an odd book because I came out of it and I wasn't thinking there's anything apocalyptic about this. I can kind of see what he was alluding to, but he's made it very, very. It's like a real microcosm. His house and there's something going on in that house and I, i'm not going to spoil it for people who may not have read it yet and want to um so it wasn't sort of an apocalyptic event which went widespread but that led into my idea with the wildermore apocalypse trilogy of um basing it somewhere where something happens it's quite you know quite a a unique place where it, it had no bearing at all on most of civilization you know it's either far enough away from main civilization or it's it's a it's a real you know inconsequential little town that nothing ever happens in yet something does happen which which explodes and it, it causes you know it has a ripple effect and I, I i came away from odd apocalypse feeling like that you know this this one event you know everything is in this one house but it's a much bigger picture being told there and i i wanted that in wildermore it to, to seem like a really remote little place but yet what is happening there is a threat and could be a threat to you know society you know uh, i wouldn't see the world you know eventually for you know if if, you, if i get to write in the wildermore direction it goes a bit more beyond wildermore itself it's a bit more of a large scale problem and that that's yeah so i think that fed into that but his writing style is like a no, school there's certain qualities in there which I, I liken to James Herbert because he's not afraid of sticking uh, traditional kind of horror. Yeah, there may be, you know, a rabid animal somewhere or um, a ghost location or, or just, you know, people's minds end up, um, you know, leading them astray, that kind of thing. You know, kind of real reality-based horror, I suppose. But then, again he's not afraid of going beyond that to um, going a bit more, I'm not going to say fantasy, but it's definitely sci-fi. Um, he, he, he can go to some really weird places with his writing. And that's what's fascinating. Cause every time I pick up a Dean Koontz book, I'm not familiar with, I don't know which Dean Koontz I'm going to get, um, which is great because the worst thing as a writer is to have the hot, your style is exactly the same across all, books because eventually people are going to get tired of them and they're going to move on to someone else um again if i can emulate that kind of thing you know i don't want to just do horror i've done kids books as well i suppose part of that is me trying to break out and do something different but i i do want to try my hand more at sort of sci-fi thriller kind of things rather than just sort of out and supernatural stuff um but with someone like dean Koontz goes all over the place <laughs> you know so i think you know no matter what you're writing you can pick up one of his books and it can inspire you to write any kind of fiction and that's what i love about it. yes definitely we never talk about before is it a, a trilogy is expandable yes it is i didn't think it was to be honest as i was writing it it wasn't my intention to go it wasn't my intention to go beyond one book um let alone a trilogy but then when i wrote the trilogy i felt at times i was I was having to stretch it to to sort of cover it over three books. But by the time I got to the end, I was like, there is definitely more I can do with this. Um, and lo and behold, I have, you know, the poison in the well is a, is a follow on because I'm left with a character at the, at the end, the very end of the, that 
I didn't have the opportunity to explore within the world of more apocalypse. So I felt like it got me thinking, you know, they're a baby at the end of the apocalypse. What does their life hold for them after what has happened in Wildemore? And, and it's that, that simple little thought. Definitely take it. But I didn't know whether I was going to take it out of the setting of Wildemore. I think I, I definitely needed to keep it linked there. But Poison the World does somewhere else and then brings you back to Wildemore. So um, I think there's there's probably a lifespan of what can happen within that one setting. But if I like the story is going to, it's going to bleed out into, into a wider, you know, um, uh, stretcher, then there's definitely scope. And you can even go back, I suppose. You could argue you could go back and, tell, and, and do like a prequel, whether it be a trilogy, I'm not sure. But you could, there's definitely more of the story you could tell leading up to 2012 that I haven't already touched on. So I, I, any, I, I think any writer, you could, you could definitely kind of urge them nicely if you want to expand on a story and, and you know, with one or two other volumes. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's a series that's going to leave me very quickly. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't. It hasn't. Yeah, I ten ten years since I I started writing the first one, and I'm still I've still got ideas going for it. So, yeah. Yes, that'd be awesome, Mister Chris. But <laughs> before we go on, let's uh, shout out to the people listening in our top latest top ranking in Apple charts. So in Hong Kong, we got uh, number seventeen. On the Apple chart, thank you so much, Hong Kong and Norway at number 19, Bulgaria at, uh, at 23 spot, Mr. Chris. Yes, and of course, in Saudi Arabia, Salam Alaikum at number 29, Shukran Jazeel and Saudi Arabia for supporting this podcast. Yeah, and of you. course, yes, in United Republic of Tanzania, we are at number 19. But last week, we are number two, I guess. Or wow. Last, last month. That's yes. fantastic. Uh, let's get back up there again. Thank you so much. Yeah. And he's listening to this. You know, I, I know I'm, I'm not on here all the time, and you're probably thankful of that. Um, but this is what I love about this is that I can I can sit back as a as a listener and, and listen to to all the other great you know episodes you're putting out, Daniel. And uh, obviously, you know, everyone's enjoying them as well. That's fantastic. Yes, because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world, <laughs> like Mister Chris. That's hey. right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank of you. course. <laughs> ah, and... there's per- there's perks to this. You know, there's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Mr. Chris the Triple is a part of this podcast always. Yes, <laughs> I know thank he's you. a busy, busy guy, but he's a part of this podcast. How well do you feel his work translates to a TV and a film? I, I, I think he's one of those writers where his stuff it, it, it translates so well, and the fact that some of his work already made into films, you know, may um, may not have been like you know major blockbuster. Series. But, um, you know, they're definitely decent and, and more decent than a lot of other you know, book adaptations. Odd Thomas being one of those, um, probably finished the series of books before I realised there was a film out there and I had to watch it. And um, 
and, and when I finally got hold of it, I think it might have been one of the last films that I actually rented from a shop. Do you remember when you could do that? Yeah, and then rented the DVD. So yeah, and um, as soon as I saw it, I was like, no, I need to, I need to. Morbid fascination. I'm always a little disappointed when I um, watch a film that's come from a book that I love. So I, my expectations were probably a bit reserved on this one, but I loved it, and I think it's one of the best um, book to movie adaptations I've seen not being biased again um but it stayed as true to the book as you probably could um i think the secret there is you need the right people to be making the, if you're going to turn a, a, a book into a film you've got to have the respect for it um and not just butcher it just to make it fit a film or a tv series yeah. you know, if if it's good enough to, to make into one keep it as true as you possibly can but you've got to have the producers on board who want tell the story in the book rather than just tell their own version of it i know dean Koontz, i think back along he he was involved he's done a, a series um on frankenstein and it's not a it's not a retelling of the tale he's kind of taken it forward into modern day and it's, it's kind of expanding on what would happen what would the world be like or what would frankenstein's world be like had the creature existed till today Victor Frankenstein, you know, carried on somehow, um, or his lineage at least. And it's a, it's. I, I only got a couple of books into the series, uh, but I was, I was, I loved it because it was, it was different. I love when people get hold of stories, not to retell them, you know, but to, but to sort of, you know, expand on them and take them in different directions, you know, because stories don't have to just end wherever they end you know somebody somebody could have an idea it's what i love about co uh, comic books actually so many different directions that all these different um publishers and that take with the same characters um anyway i digress i think dean Koontz was involved in tv or a film adaptation of frankenstein based on one of his ideas he didn't like where the production team were taking it so he decided then he was going to tell his own story how he wanted it and that's where he that's why he wrote that series of books so i definitely think his 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 stories are definitely worth to you know being actually when you see what is out there and the mediums that you can have today you know you, you're not confined to a 90 minute film anymore you can do a four six episode miniseries on netflix um there's de there's definitely options out there but it's just i i would like to see if they if they have having people make it who have got respect and tell them as Dean Koontz has written them, because I think you, you don't really need to touch them. You don't need to tamper with them. For all those uh, Mr. Dean wrote, which genre do you like best? I'll always be, I'll always have a a, a, a a draw for the darker side. So I think his, his horror stuff will always speak to me. Um, but I'm intrigued, you know, uh, again, like I was with Steve Alton, I think you, you get hooked in because you think it's, a certain kind of book but even within that book it goes in a different direction so sci-fi i never put myself down as a sci-fi fan at all i think there are definitely pockets of that genre that i enjoy reading and others that and dean Koontz does a little bit of that he can he can tell something very every day but he can add a real paranormal supernatural spin to it to the degree that it becomes science fiction and you don't realize you're reading a sci-fi thriller until towards the end and so I think 
anything within that you know with within those realms i i i lose track of all the different kind of genres he's he's written i think we're just it was real kind of the thriller kind of stuff it's, it's not something that really speaks to me but then you branch that into horror and it's almost like you open yourself up to the darker things sends your mind off and and on a on such a tangent that anything's possible and that's that's where there is i reckon a between certain types of horror and certain types of sci-fi that you really cross over and i i'm becoming quite a fan of those Yes. So, what three books do you recommend to people yet to discover? Dean uh, he's, yeah. I, I'm not just going to sit here either, and I'm not just going to pick three of the Odd Thomas books because that'd be cheating. I would definitely say Odd Thomas, and I don't do what any of any of the series. But I, once you know the story as a series, I think you appreciate it even more. So, I would definitely say if you haven't already read it, Odd Thomas, start there because I guarantee you, when you read the first one, you'll want to read the others. I won't need to recommend those. Uh, like I just mentioned, Frankenstein, um, the first book in there, Prodigal Son, is definitely worth a go because, again, I love the way that he's taken one of my favourite classic stories. You know, I by Frankenstein, as most sort of horror fans do. And it's always refreshing when somebody gets hold of it and, and tries to do something different with it. So, yeah, I would definitely say pick that one up. And there's more standalone books. Um I would recommend Eyes of Darkness, especially, you know, it's it's kind of as tenuous as it is. It does get you thinking, though. It's linked to to, to what we all went through uh, over the last few years with um, with the pandemic and everything. It's a really intriguing story. It starts off as what you think is just a typical ghost story about a, a, a mother who's mourning the, the loss of a young son. And then she starts and, and sort of, you know, physical and, and mental messages which she believes to be from her son so you think it's one of those kind of typical ghost stories and it is for a little bit and then um, he turns it on its ear and it becomes something else um i'm not gonna say what i definitely definitely go out and find that eyes of darkness it's fantastic yes so if you compare your uh the odd thomas to your apocalypse trilogy was a big difference Big di- well, the the glaringly obvious difference, I suppose, with the World of More Apocalypse trilogy itself is, um, you get a di- you get a different feel and a different perspective um, from a first person book. There's a lot more you can get away with, a lot more you can put a lot more emotion into a first person book because you really you are talking as the as that character. You can really delve into, um, you know, explore that character in ways that you can't. I feel when it's third person. So that's that's the first big thing, uh, and I I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, I suppose, really, rather than differences. Because I think you know, Odd Thomas's existence, he's he's uh, it's a couple of characters. One in particular called Jacob Crow in the World of More Apocalypse, which is a little like Odd Thomas, I suppose. He's a guy who just wants a normal life. You know, he's um, Odd Thomas is a short order cook. Uh, Jacob Crow was a retail assistant, and they've inherited this they go on this this horrific happen just because of events that unfold where they live um and and you know they can't really escape them but then they get so they realize their own significance into the bigger into the bigger story that's being told through the series and all of a sudden they become part of part of it and it for them another I, I, I stick with the similarity when 
get the when the Wildermore Resurrection series actually comes out, you will see Odd Thomas um, is is one of the biggest influences behind character of Zero Morden, who is the main character in Poison in the Well. So yeah, probably more similarities and differences, I would say, to be fair. Um, but that that I would I'd hang my hat on that biggest difference. You see all of these stories unfold through old Thomas's eyes. It just gives a, a whole different, whole different feel to it all. I think, and that the horror that he sees and how it affects him. You know, there's only certain ways you can do that when you're writing as a bystander. You know, as a third person um, and trying to incorporate. You know, trying to give everyone equal space. I think old Thomas is you definitely you feel for him throughout the whole thing you know the the things he goes through are horrific enough but the fact that you you get into his head with it um it's it's just it's deeper on another level i think really yeah i'll say definitely very well said mr chris Thank so you. please invite our listeners to buy all your trilogy yeah go go out there buy them there you go um no yeah, so the World of More Apocalypse, you've heard me rabbit on about them already and the others, but um, they're, they're available on, on Amazon. Um, most, if not all the countries that have Amazon, you should find my books on there. So uh, the three, Acolyte, you've got The Sewing Season. Um, I've got it in, if you're lucky enough, you may be able to track down a copy uh, that was available when it was first released. That is the book that I'm, priming for re-release so the whole trilogy will be out there again very very soon uh, but it's yeah it's 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 an apocalypse it's a horror apocalyptic trilogy but it's not one that's overrun with zombies and things like that of like the unseen bring about an end of days sort of thing um and when an unseen entity becomes a physical entity down the line and it, it, and, and that's when the threat really picks up. It's it's based uh, the, the comic in 2012, and it's really based on my fascination with the um, the idea, the Mayan prophecy that the world was going to end, or that some kind of cataclysmic event. I will start saying that because they never said the world was going to end in 2012, but some cataclysmic event was going to happen. Um, and yeah, this is my take on that. Basically, something happens in a very remote place that people don't know about. Yeah, it could one day bring about the end of all of us. <laughs> yes, nutshell. please buy them, people, because it will haunt you with the rest of your life. Oh. Hope so. <laughs> According Hope so. to the reader of Mr. Chris, I'll say that. Miss, I'll say that. Yes. Absolutely. According to Miss Anita, so, there you so go. We did, not, we did not invented that one. According <laughs> to Miss Anita, <laughs> Anita, no, no. And I think I think you have also a children's book, right, Mister Chris? I I do. I've got two out there. So yeah. So um. So out of the dark into the light kind of thing. Um, you'll find it's a long wait and it's a long night for Santa. Um, they're part of the same. It was no series. I just got lucky. I think that um that I got my first one out there and then I um I it inspired me to write another one. It's a aimed at sort of two to six year olds. It's a it's a cutesy sort of right picture book. So if you're reading to toddlers, young ones that love you know listening to bedtime stories, or even the slightly older ones who like reading their own bedtime, you know, starting to read for themselves and reading their own bedtime stories. It's great illustration in there by a guy called Butter. Um 
And yeah, it's uh, if you like things like Julia Donaldson, Room on the Broom, and The Gruffalo, and, uh, and things like that, it's written in that style. So it's it's got a nice kind of rhythm to it. If you're the parent that's right, uh, that's probably uh, you'll have as much fun reading them as, as I did writing it. Really, it's that old cliche, but uh, yeah, you know, two two very very different styles out there. Hopefully, you'll find one that you like between either of those. Yes, definitely. If you want to listen all the details, all the books of Mr. Chris, we talk about our last, no, second season mm. from all the, the, the trilogy books. So please listen to them if you want to know the secret how Mr. Chris crafted all the books. Yes. Okay, Mr. Chris, thank you for your time. No, anytime, Daniel, anytime. I'm looking forward to it. Uh... Yes. And regarding to Mr. Dean uh, Ray Coons, we support him. He's, he was born July 9, 1945. He's an American author known for his writing, suspense, thrillers, which is incorporated elements of horror, fantasy, science fiction, mystery, and satire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's a prolific writer. All of them, man. You know, here I am struggling to get beyond two, and this guy's trying everything and find a success with it all but maybe that's the secret you know not not pigeonholing pigeonholing yourself so. <laughs> yes definitely more to come people see you soon